How are we doing, Life Center? Good. Merry Christmas, Eve. See, I, I threw you off when I said Eve because y'all are ready to just yell back, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Eve. I'm glad you're here. If you're a guest, we're glad you're here. We're taking some time tonight to celebrate the reason why we celebrate this holiday. It's not just about giving presents. It's not just about running around like crazy, and I've done some of that today. I've been from one side about way to the other. And some things are fun and some things aren't, and some people have just amazing memories of Christmas, and some people really have a tough time with Christmas because of things that happen around the holidays. So wherever you find yourself in all of this, we want to help all of us tonight understand the fact that we're here, Christmas happens, we celebrate this holiday because what God did for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that's why we're here tonight is to celebrate the fact that he loved us, me, you, everyone around you. He loved us so much that he came to earth and he was born in a barn. It sounds cute to say he was born in a manger, but you have to understand a manger is just really a feed trough for animals in a barn. And that's where the king of glory was born. That's where he entered the world. And I'm going to read uh, three scriptures tonight of prophecy, and then we're going to skip to the New Testament, and we're going to read about the birth of Jesus and talk about that for a few minutes. Then we're going to, just to roadmap the rest of this time, we're going to talk about that for a few minutes, and then we're all going to stand and sing together, and we're going to light some candles, and then we're going to leave here and go do whatever it is we're going to do the rest of the night and tomorrow. So we're glad you're here. If you're a guest, we welcome you and uh, invite you back whenever you want to come back. Let's go first to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. This next passage, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, is where we've been all month in our series, His Name Will Be. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And then in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, But you, brethren, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old from ancient times. These prophecies about the birth of Jesus all are about 700 years before he was born. That's, that's a long time to wait. That's a long time to hear about something and it not happen and not happen and not happen. Do we have any patient people in the room tonight? Is anybody just really patient and somebody tells you they're going to give you something and they're going to do something for you and you can just wait it out? You can be like, okay, I know it's going to be good. I know it's going to be great. I'm just going to wait for it. And when it comes, I, I'm going to be happier than I am right now, and I'm just going to sit here and wait. Anybody like that? Who's impatient? That's, that's, more, that's more like how we are. We are impatient. 
And we're talking a 700-year window here. This also covers the silent years of Scripture between the Old and New Testament. That's about 400 years. And this is a time when people like Alexander the Great were here. The Roman rule began when, when the Roman armies invaded Jerusalem in 63 B.C. And, and the story picks up again in Matthew Tell them about the birth of Jesus around 4 B.C. So that whole period of, of about 700 years and 400 of, of nothing as far as Scripture goes, that whole time when they've been hearing about this, this Messiah, this promise, this guy who's going to sit on the throne of David and rule over the nation, and he's going to save the world. And they heard this and waited and waited and waited through, through generations. And it never happened. And then we pick, it, we pick back up. We're going to read from Luke. Luke chapter 2. came to pass in those days. There went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his spouse wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. That means she's going to have this baby. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord. This is always my favorite part of of the Peanuts or Charlie Brown Christmas. Is it Linus who's reading this part or reciting this part? I remember this from a little kid, and it was just it was my favorite part. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. All people. In 2018, this will be a great joy to all of us, In 2018, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign to you. You shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a great multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. And that was the birth of of Jesus in a manger. If you think about the prophecies and talking about he's going to sit on the throne of David and he's going to rule and he's going to be this and he's going to do that. He's going to be Emmanuel. He's going to be the, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, the wonderful counselor, all these titles that were given to, to Jesus before he ever got here. A lot of people, the religious people of the world of that day, thought that he, would, he was going to come and he was going to be this king. He was going to arrive and he was going to turn the world upside down. And oh, he, he turned it upside down, just not in the way that they expected him to turn it upside down or even really wanted him to turn it upside down. See, Jesus wasn't just coming to save some people. He wasn't just coming to serve some people. He was coming to serve and to save everyone. And not just the people who were there that day or in that time. We're 2,000 years past when Jesus came. And it's still his plan to save everyone he comes in contact with. And a lot of people of that day didn't grasp 
who he was. They didn't realize who he was. And for, for many reasons, but I think the biggest one was that he just didn't arrive in the manner that they thought he should arrive or would arrive. And he didn't do things in a manner that they thought he should do them. And that just kind of threw everyone that was religious sideways, and they actually rejected him. And in the end, skip ahead to Easter, it wasn't the common people who crucified Jesus. It wasn't really the government, although they, they authorized it, that crucified Jesus. It was the religious people, the descendants of the people who prophesied about his coming. Because they just couldn't understand how a king, how a ruler, how a savior could arrive on the scene like that and then do things the way he did them. And I believe that God has a purpose for every single one of us in this room tonight. I don't believe you're here by accident or because you had nowhere else to go or because you were visiting somebody that was going to church so you had to go with them. I don't believe any of that. I believe that we are where we're supposed to be right now for a reason. And I believe that God has purpose for every single life in this room. But here's the deal. Whatever, pl whatever plan God has for you or for me, chances are, if he's going to arrive in a way that just threw people sideways, if he did ministry in a way in the New Testament that threw everyone sideways, chances are, what he's going to do in your life, what he's going to do for you, what he's going to do through you to affect other people, because what he does for you is not just for you. The, the struggles and trials that he helps you with are for your benefit, but they're also for you to take that experience and that faith that was built in that trial and help somebody else. And all those things that he's doing, all the things that he's done, all the things that he will do, I believe they will happen differently than we imagine them. And if you've got any experience walking with Jesus, you know exactly what I'm talking about. He rarely does things in a conventional way that makes perfect sense to us. And we may have our life mapped out, and it's good to have a plan. But we should always leave that space and that possibility that he might have a little bit of a different idea or plan or even a method. We may be going to the same place, but he may have a different method of getting us there than we think is most prudent. So leave a little bit of room for Jesus to work in your life. Because the same Jesus that was born in a manger that came in very unconventional methods, that worked in very unconventional methods, the same Jesus that did all that is the same Jesus that you feel tonight. And he's the same one that has a plan for your life and it may not happen exactly how you want it. You, I'm 46 years old. I'm not super old, but I'm not young by any means. My eyesight's messed up. Don't have as much energy as, you, as I used to have. I can't run like I once did. Did I mention my eyes are messed up? I forget things. And Tawana will tell you, I have, I have a hard time hearing things as well. So by the time I get like 70 or 75, I'm going to be a hot mess. I'm, I'm kind of one right now. I can tell you that when I was 21 years old, man, I had it all figured out. I did. 
I knew what I needed to do, and I knew how it had to happen. I knew the progression, the steps I had to take to get where I wanted to go, and I knew, I thought I knew what God wanted for my life. But I really didn't have a clue. When we realize, if, if, you, if, if there's somebody in here under 25 years old, let's say under 30, if, if you can realize that, that God's plan for your life is, is amazing, and it's probably bigger than what you think. Come on, time. It's probably bigger than what you think. I'm sure it is. If you can realize that he has your best interest, and it may not happen how you envision it, but you're trying to get to the same spot. And if you relinquish your will and your control in your life and give it to him, how does this relate to Jesus and his birth? Because he was here and he ministered and he told his disciples before he left, greater things than these will you do. And if I understand that if I submit my will and my life to him, and if I pursue him with everything I've got, it may not look like I want to look, and sometimes it may not feel like I want it to feel, but God is going to do something amazing with my life, and he's going to use me to impact those around me, and I can be a world changer. I can be, because he says I can be. If Jesus himself said, greater things than these shall you do, man, that's a pretty big deal. And that same hope and that same promise is available to us because of Christmas. So understand tonight that you aren't here by accident. You are not an accident. That what you have gone through to bring you to this point is for you, but it's also for you when you step into the purpose that God has called you for, you're going to help people come through what you've been through. And you're going to give somebody else hope. You're going to give somebody else a promise. And what they've been through, it just starts reproducing itself over and over. And you get to be a piece in the kingdom of God that makes a difference in somebody else's life. And that promise is in you, our everlasting Father our Prince of Peace. After he was here and he resurrected, he said, I'm going to prepare a place that where I am, you can be with me. And that's our ultimate goal. We'll get there together. What will it look like between here and there? I can't tell you. I don't have all the answers, but I know it'll be amazing. And we'll do it together. God bless y'all. Have a great Christmas Eve and have a great time tomorrow celebrating with your families. I pray it's amazing, and we'll see you back here on Sunday. God bless. Bye.